0: In chapter 8 and verses 1 to 9. Now we read this together last week and we're going to read it again this week and we'll read it again next week and today we're reading it looking at the way that they gave joyfully to God. So let's, uh, let me read this as we follow along from 2 Corinthians 8 and verses 1 to 9. Paul writes to the church in Corinth, he says, Now I want to tell you, dear brothers and sisters, what God in his kindness has done for the churches in Macedonia. Though they've been going through much trouble and hard times, their wonderful joy and deep poverty have overflowed in rich generosity. For I can testify that they gave not only what they could afford, but far more. And they did it, of their own free will, they begged us again and again for the gracious privilege of sharing in the gifts in, in the gift of the Christians in Jerusalem. Best of all, they went beyond our highest hopes. Their first action was to dedicate themselves to the Lord and to us for whatever directions God might give them. So we've urged Titus who encouraged your giving in the first place to return to you and encourage you to complete your share in this ministry of giving. Since you excel in so many ways, you have so much faith, such gifted speakers, such knowledge, such enthusiasm and such love for us, now I want you to excel also in this gracious ministry of giving. I'm not saying you must do it even though the other churches are eager to do it, this is one way to prove your love is real. And you know how full of love and kindness our Lord Jesus Christ was. Though he was very rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that by his poverty he could make you rich. Church, let's pray together as we ask God to Speak to us, to meet with us, and to guide us as we gather together this morning. Let's pray. Oh God, your people gather, and we just want to rejoice this morning. Uh, Rejoice because this is a day that you've made. Uh, Rejoice because we are living and breathing in your playground, the earth. God, you've created this place and you give us life and breath and you give us so many great and wonderful things. And we don't want to rush through today without pausing and just reflecting on your generosity, on your kindness, on your goodness to us. God, some of us find ourselves in places of plenty Lord, we thank you for rich friendships and relationships. God, we thank you that we have food to eat and to choose from, different flavours, different ways of cooking it, and so much choice. God, we thank you that we have uh, so many material possessions that we're able to cope with losing some. God, we thank you for the joy of being able to rest and relax and enjoy our time off as well as enjoy working. God, we thank you for your word, for prayer, for your good gifts of yourself to us. God, some of us naturally would feel uh, not like rejoicing because of our circumstances. God, some of us would feel uh, worn out, uh, really sick, really tired, uh, like we don't have enough resources, like we wished that we had more, if it wasn't for the fact that we know that you're with us and that you are in control of this whole playground, this earth. You're our God. You're our Lord. And we know that we don't rejoice in our difficult circumstances, but we rejoice in you. God, you give us strength through everything that we're facing. So, God, for those that are weeping this morning, give them the joy that comes from knowing you and knowing you're with them. God, for those that have plenty, may they be overwhelmingly thankful with joy for what you've given. And, God, for us as we meet together today, we just want to tell you we're thankful. We belong to you. You love us so much that you came, you lived, you died, you rose again. We can't outgive you, so we thankfully and joyfully say thank you. And we now just worship you with grateful hearts and with great joy. In Jesus' name, amen. I don't know about you, but when people come to the door of our house um, asking for money or when they ring up at, uh, right when we're sitting down for dinner, I, when they come to the door, I feel like hiding. Sometimes I kind of you know, get behind and hide and feel like not answering the door. Uh, or when the phone rings, I just feel like you know, saying, sorry, we don't speak English and hanging up. <laughs> And know some of you have done that before. <laughs> you know, sometimes I often make an excuse and try and put people off. But if it's a good cause, and I've already opened the door, you know, and if it's a, some kid with a MS Readathon form or something like that, sometimes I'm caught, and there's just nothing to do but give. And I fumble around, and I find my wallet, and I kind of look, and I think, "Oh, look! I hope there's something small in there." And I grab a few dollars and I go back and the great thing is that the person's wrapped because I've given something which is better than nothing. And I'm wrapped because the pressure's off and I can close the door and go back until another call or another phone call occurs. Yeah, you know, I think for many people uh, church offerings are just the same. I, 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 I think... There are some people that kind of say I love the people. You know, I can handle the message. I can even fill out a blue card every once in a while. But I always feel a little bit pressured when it comes to the offering. You know, I'll always try and hope that there's some money there, something small so that I can at least help the poor church. You know, this charity kind of thing that needs my money. And then the pressure will be off again till next week. And that'll be fine. You know, when it comes to giving, yet I've noticed uh, an interesting phenomenon. There are some people that are like me, the kind of hiders at home, and yet there are some that just want to give generously to some causes. And I think particularly about the Easter time when the uh, Good Friday Royal Children's Hospital appeal happens. And there you find people giving generously and big amounts to, to the Royal Children's Hospital. And I think... You know, uh, there are times when uh, we have disasters and we see people in desperate need, like the tsunami, and we give generously to them. When someone lets us know about poor people who are struggling, often our hearts are open wide and we give joyfully uh, to those people. And I start to think, I wonder what's going on. And I think there must be some link between the people who give And the connection they have with those to whom they're giving. Like, I often find people will give generously to the Good Friday appeal if their children have ever been hurt in any way and needed help, especially if they've been helped at the Royal Children's Hospital. You know, often people that have kids say, I have a connection with that because if my kids are ever to be in trouble, I want them to be helped well, so I'll give. And people are generous because they see the value and they have a relation, some kind of relationship with what they're giving to. I think about that with the tsunami. You know, we saw all those pictures and we just thought, I can't go over there and help myself. But I I just can't imagine what that would be like. So I'll give. They're human beings just like me. And other times perhaps we've felt, uh, you know, when people talk about the poor or a need that's been given, you know, each of us know what it's like to have not had enough money, or to have been hungry, or to have faced the prospect of not having a job and wondering where we will get the money, and we identify with those we're giving to because we don't want to be in that situation ourselves. I think there's a relationship between what we give to and how and that affects how we give. So I wondered this morning as we come and you, uh, as we talk about giving joyfully to God, giving joyfully to God, whether you might notice that sometimes as the offering bowls come around, there are people around who pull out a regular envelope. You know, they've come prepared. They've come planned. There are other people who get it out and they have a smile on their face. Some people even uh, are not So much talking, but almost worshipping as they give. And they give, you would say, joyfully when it comes to the offering time. I wonder what's the difference. Could it be that there's some direct relationship to the giver and the one they're giving to? Makes me ask how does God want me to give? You remember last week we looked at this passage and we unpacked the fact that Paul is writing in 2 Corinthians to the church in Corinth and he's reminding them about the instructions that he'd given the church in Corinth in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, earlier when he'd written his previous letter. And in that chapter he told them that he was on his way, he would be coming, and that when he came he was wanting to collect money from them that he could take to the Christian Christians in Jerusalem, the churches in Jerusalem. And remember he told them they should put aside a bit each week so that when he came, they would just be able to hand over the money, he could take it back to those Christians in Jerusalem. See, they were uh, in Jerusalem, they were poor, poorer Christians, they were poorer churches, and they were people that were um, a, a minority in Jerusalem, and they were really finding it hard. They were suffering from poverty and from famine and they were a minority that were misunderstood by the Jews who they'd left as they became Christians and by the Romans who were occupying Jerusalem at that time. Why was Paul talking to the church in Corinth about this? Why was he asking them to collect this offering and now writing to them again in 2 Corinthians? Well, this is why he became a follower of Christ when Jesus came and met him in a bright light on the Damascus Road. And the risen Lord came to him and he said, "Uh, Paul, I'm sending you. I'm sending you to the Gentiles. I want you to take the gospel to them. And the Jewish Christians were a bit concerned because up until that point, the major focus of mission was on the Jewish people, God's chosen people. Now, Paul was starting to take the gospel to the Gentiles. So they called him in. They said, you need to come and talk to the heavies here at Jerusalem. And we need to talk to you because we're the, we, we want to make sure that what you're doing is right. And so we, see, we saw in Galatians 2 and verses 6 to 9, Paul before the, the heavies in Jerusalem who were listening to him. And after listening to him, they saw that Paul had indeed been given the responsibility by God to take the good news to the Gentile people. And they said, go, you know, go. But one thing we ask you to remember as you go and preach to those Gentiles people who are quite well-to-do as well, that when you're preaching to them the gospel that we've learnt and that we know, when they become Christians, tell them, you know, don't, don't forget the poor people, the poor people that had the gospel and are sharing it with them. And Paul said, that's something I want to do. I'm pleased to do that. So during his third missionary journey, Paul had gone and he'd collected money from the churches in Macedonia. They were the Philippi church, the church in Philippi, the Thessalonica church and the church, the people in Berea. And they had given money to Paul, though these churches in particular were poor. And they'd given him, they'd given money to him, even though they were poor and they were suffering persecution. So these churches surprised Paul. They'd given him more than he'd expected and he was amazed. And here in the verses we read today, Paul is talking to the church in Corinth and he's using the churches of the Macedonian churches. And he's saying, look how they give. This is how they gave. And what he's trying to do is help them to excel in giving. You know they'd excelled in faith. We talked about that last week. They'd excelled in knowledge. They'd excelled in enthusiasm and in love. And Paul says, "Come on now, guys! You're excelling in so many ways. Excel in giving." You know this was a church that were kind of had a lot of division and quite a bit of pride. You know the different spiritual gifts. They were, you know, saying, "I've got this gift," or "I follow Paul," "I follow Apollos." And it's kind of a wealthier church, the church in Corinth. And Paul's just saying, remember how he said to put that aside, I want you to go through with the gift. Last week we talked about how they excelled in giving because they gave themselves to God first. This morning I just want us to look at another aspect out of this. And it's the incredible way the Macedonian churches gave joyfully to God. They didn't run when there was a knock on the door. You know, they didn't uh, hang up and speak in a different language. They, they didn't begrudgingly pull out a few dollars to help a charity, but they gave with great joy to God. Why did they do that? Well, I think we can give joyfully because of the grace that God has given to us. And I think that's why the Macedonian churches gave, because they understood the grace of God and what he had given to them. Let's have a look particularly now at 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 2. Let's read that. Um, uh, if you have that there, open it up and let's, let's just look at this verse here. I want you to see, uh, Paul begins in verse 1, he says, Now I want to tell you, my dear brothers and sisters, what God in his kindness, has done for the churches in Macedonia. And then he says this verse, Though they have been going through much trouble and hard times, their wonderful joy and deep poverty have overflowed in rich generosity. And Paul is explaining here to the church in Corinth what happened with the Macedonian church, and he said, this is an incredible church. They were generous. He says to them that they were in deep poverty, and even though they were in deep poverty, they gave generously. More than that, Paul declares their, describes their poverty as um, deep poverty, not just normal poverty, deep poverty. In the NIV, the word he uses for deep poverty there is uh, extreme poverty. Poverty. They had extreme poverty. The churches in Macedonia. Um, you know, not normal poverty. We're talking about here. I know there are some extreme sports, and those sports aren't normal sports. You know, like a normal sport would be bowls. You know, or or cricket. You know, the gentleman's sport. But the extreme sports are, are different to normal sports. They're things like skydiving. You know, or snowboarding or bungee jumping. They're, they're kind of a big difference between a normal sport and an extreme sport. And Paul says they had extreme poverty. We're not talking people that are just haven't got much. They're in deep poverty. And yet, he says, in their extreme poverty, wonderful joy overflowed. It's It's breathtaking. Uh, even though they were under all these trials and they were suffering persecution because of their faith, we find this strange joy bubbling up from within them, almost uncontrollably, overflowing, he said. It's like a, a bubbling out of them, not forced, not put on, not worked up, but overflowing like a river, this joy coming. It's like when you fill up a glass and it overflows. You know, it just goes, it's flowing over. Joy is coming out and it's staggering. In deep trial, overflowing joy. How can that be? How can it be that these people would would find that? Well, you know, what what I think I've found to be true, and uh, if you're taking notes, this would be the first point, that hard times can bring joy. Hard times can bring joy. If we cry out to God for help, uh, hard times can bring joy if we cry out to God for help. I don't know about you, but I find that in some of the most troublesome times in my life, out of the most difficult hardships that I've faced, there have often been the times when I've cried out to God the most for help. Anyone feel that too? I mean, when I've been right at my wits end and not knowing what to do is when I've got down to my knees like never before and cried out to God. God, I need your help. God, protect me. God, help me. And my guess, my hunch is that what was, that this kind of thing was going on with the Macedonian churches. It seems that they were facing persecution and people were really against them and it looks like their budgets were low and empty and that their pockets seemed to have holes in them. Every time the money seemed to run out for them and yet they had joy and I think it was because of the grace of God in that time. As they cried out to God, they found him true to his promises. As they cried out to God in their weaknesses... He was strong. The grace of God was providing for their needs right there in the time of trial. How would that happen? How does that work out? Well, I think they would be kind of saying, God, we thank you so much that you loved us enough to die for us. We've heard the gospel, these churches would say. Paul come and shared us about your, you know, your incredible love that you would come and die for us and forgive us and we have this new relationship with you. And we want to thank you, God, that now in our weaknesses, we know that you are strong. And so now, God, we're saying we put our trust in you even though the figures don't match up, even though people are trying to hurt us, even though people are trying to destroy us. We put our trust in you, they would have been saying. And then they would have found this incredible thing, that as they did that, they would have experienced God's help greatly. They would have found him helping them, giving them joy in the midst of their hardship, giving them thankfulness for what they did have, not what they didn't have, giving them the strength to trust him all the time. I think this is what Paul had experienced himself. If you want to just flip over a couple of chapters to to 2 Corinthians 12 and verses 9 to 10, here you'll see that Paul himself had a a thorn in his flesh. He had a, a, a problem that was really bugging him. It grieved him. In fact, it grieved him so much that he begged God three times to remove it, to take it away. And then in verses uh, 9 and 10, he says, Each time God said, as I asked him to take it away, My gracious favour is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I am glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may work through me, since I know it is all for Christ's good. I am quite content with my weaknesses and with insults and with hardships and persecutions and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. I think Paul had cried out to God in the midst of his 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 troubles, and the Lord had said to him, Paul, my, my grace is sufficient for you. My power's made perfect in weakness. And Paul's response is just incredible. It's exactly what the Macedonian churches did. He says, so now I'm glad, joyful. I'm happy. I'm filled with joy. I'm happy even though the problem hasn't gone and I've still got this wretched thorn in my side. But I'm filled with joy. Why? Because he's found in his weaknesses God's grace, God's power. God's love. I wonder about you. Uh, How do you go in your struggles and in your time? Maybe you found yourself uh, weak, maybe weak financially. Uh, Most of the time when we don't believe that God's in control and that he's in control of everything, when we don't have much, we pull back. And we say to ourselves, you know, in my weakness, I need to be strong. You know, we kind of say, I've got to, I've got to take a bit more control in here because we just haven't got much. When God is right with you in all of that time and he wants to help you and he wants to be part of what he wants you to in your weakness to cry out to him and give you strength. Whether it's a, a sickness that you have, a struggle that you have. you know, We can start to get mad at God and say, why don't you help me in this? Why don't you make me well? Why don't you do this for me, God? Because I, I just need it. And some people just get more and more upset and angry and bitter at God. Not the Macedonian churches. Not Paul. The more and more they were in weakness in difficulty, the more they cried out to God and found His grace is sufficient in all that time. I don't know what your situation is. For you, you know the times when you feel weakest. In that time, cry out to Him. Say, God, everything I have is Yours. All that I am is Yours. And all the good things that I have, You've given me. And I don't want to grab onto them and clutch them, even at this time, God. I want to Put my trust and faith in you, knowing that in my weakness you are strong. Do you know God's grace? Cry out to him. Depend on him. Pray continually. Feed on his word. Ask God to help you and you'll find the grace that is sufficient for you. The second thing, If you're taking notes, I think when we think of all God's joyfully given to us, all the things that God has joyfully given to us, when we think of that, then we live and give joyfully. See, when we think of all the things God's given to us, we give joyfully. We love to give joyfully. We want to give joyfully. You know, many people have never known the grace of God. They've never put their trust in Him. They've never understood. They and and therefore they think that all they have is because of them. You know, they think, well, all the things that I have, this good work, you know, that I've done, this business that I've built up, is because of my blood, sweat, and tears. You know, I was fortunate to be born with, with abilities and a brain that I can use. And look what I have built. Look at my family. Didn't I make a right choice in my wife and my kids? Look at that. Good parenting skills that have helped me get what I want. This is mine. And when things get taken away, they grab. Because it was all my work to begin with that got it. And any letting go is disaster. This is the opposite of Christian belief, which says... God is the most joyful giver that there ever was. And everything that I have, everything that I see, comes from him. And when I realise that, I can't help but overflow with joyfulness because of him. You know, it's like the hymn writer um, Maltby uh, Babcock, who wrote in the year 1901, this this is my Father's world, and to my listening ears all nature sings and round me rings the music of its spheres. This is my Father's world, I rest me in the thought of rocks and trees, of skies and seas, his hands the wonders wrought. It finishes off in the last verse, the writer, and says, This is my father's world. Oh, let me never forget that though the wrong seems oft so strong, God is ruler yet. This is my father's world. Why should my heart be sad? The Lord is king. Let the heavens ring. God reigns. Let the earth be glad. You know, A right understanding of God and that this whole world is our Father's world and that He's in control brings us to rejoice rather than think, oh, no, we haven't got it. We haven't got this. We haven't got that. We haven't got this. Instead, we start saying, look at that mountain that God's given us to look on. Look at this whole world that God has given me to enjoy. God's the creator of the heavens and the earth, and this is His world. Everything we have comes from him. he's in control. So rather than focusing on what I don't have, focus on all that God has given you, the sounds of birds and crickets, the music that we love that moves our hearts, the rocks and the trees and the skies and the seas. you know, flowers dressed in God's, uh, by God and beauty. That they show and the colors that they give, a delicious three course meal, you know, a baby's smile, the silence of babies sleeping, (laughs) holding hands with someone that you love, a day just to rest and to play, a a sleep in, (laughs) reading a great book, rain, 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 A a wrong that's forgiven. A call from a friend, a day that goes really well at work, a new discovery about God, lint, Lindor chocolate, <laughs> finding a small group who really care, you know, an assignment that's completed and given in, the incredible wonder and creation of human beings, and being one, the death of a son for you, the resurrection of the Son for you, the love of God the Father for you. Why should my heart be sad? The Lord is King. Let the heavens ring. God reigns. Let the earth be glad. It's true, isn't it, that when we think of all that God has joyfully given us, we love to give joyfully. We love to give back to him. God's joyfully given us everything. So let's give joyfully to him. As someone said, you are never more like God than when you give. And it's no wonder, isn't it, that that Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 9-7, for God loves the person who gives cheerfully or joyfully. Why? Because the one who gives joyfully knows him understands that this is his world, understands that all that he's done for, for that person. God loves it when people give joyfully. There's a bumper sticker that says, God loveth a cheerful giver, but he also accepts from a grouch. <laughs> <laughs> the, the Greek word for cheerful is the word we get from, that, that we get hilarious from. And in the New Testament church, when they gave, It was hilarious. They were cheerfully giving, hilariously giving. In the modern church today, so many churches, when it comes to the offering, it's the low point in the service. It's it's a real shame. People may have just forgotten that this is our Father's world and have become to treat the church like a charity. You know, flip a bit here because they need my help. They don't need your help. It's about giving to God. And that's why the Macedonian churches were eager to give. They couldn't be stopped from giving. You know, when I think about our church, I just want to ask you this morning are you a joyful giver? Ask yourself, check that. Do you consistently tithe? Do you find delight in giving your day? To God, Do you start each day and think, God, this is your day that you've given me? Do you give your uh, activities that you do to him, your gifts to him, your time to God? Do you get the sense that everything that you have comes from him and recognise it and say thanks constantly during the day? If you find it hard to be joyful in giving... God would say, "Hey, check your attitude. Come back to me. See what the Bible says about what I've done for you. And are you appreciative of that? Do you know that? Do you know me?" I want to say to you, as your pastor, that I really do believe that as a tribe, you know, as as God's people, as as His church, we are a a generous church. Do you know? Last year, last financial year, we gave away sixty-five thousand dollars to people um, outside our church. Like, we gave away $15,000 to the Baptist Union of Victoria to use as they would to help the other churches, the most neediest churches in our Baptist Union family. So we're kind of like the Macedonian churches that were giving money to other churches that were more struggling. We did that last year, $15,000. And it, last year, let me just say, wasn't an unusual year. It's not like I just picked the most generous year. But you know, last year also we gave away $10,000 to Albury Baptist and they were so appreciative of that gift. We gave more than $7,000 to those who suffered the most through disasters through Baptist World Aid. We gave it to them and said, would you help those people that are struggling? We helped bring medical doctors and dentists from poorer countries to Australia to go to some conferences that would really help them as Christian doctors and dentists. We gave more than $12,000 to Malawi and uh, helped them purchase a vehicle that would be taken place in their, in their uh, activities of serving people there. We gave $5,000 to Wodonga Secondary Chaplaincy. We gave to Gideon's International more than $3,000 to help the Bible go out to all different places in Australia. We gave to Everyman's Army Organisation. We gave to Uh, people in our church family into our community and each week there are always people that give and give and bring groceries just extra and put in the box up the back We, we gave in those ways and so many more i haven't even included just last year's that wasn't in the financial year but the giving you gave before christmas to farmers and to people in our community the giving you gave last week that's not even included but i just think over and over again our church is giving and giving and giving to help the most needy and i just want to say i think i'm i'm proud of you and i'm proud of us as a church and saying keep doing it you know isn't god good He's really helping us meet so many needs and I think it's just wonderful. Um, I think this is just like what happened when uh, Joash became king. You know, the people had had some terrible, terrible people and Joash, when he came, became king, he said, it's time that we repaired um, the, the temple. You know, the Bible says that Joash did what was pleasing in the sight of the Lord in 2 Chronicles 24 and uh, he, he said, what we're going to do is we're going to repair the temple and, and build some other parts. And he talked to the people, and the people responded with joy. I think they were thinking, finally, you know, because there was a lot of corruption going on before, finally, we want to give and we want to help. And they had this chest, and the chest just kept filling up. Um, it, it says in 2 Chronicles 24, verse 10, this pleased all the leaders and the people, and they gladly bought their money and filled the chest with it and they kept emptying the chest and it kept filling up and people it says the key word there is they gladly bought their money joyfully why because god was doing something in their midst and they wanted to be part of it i think it's not just our financial giving that's why one writer wrote give strength give thought give deeds give wealth Give love, give tears, and give thyself. Give, give, be always giving. Who gives not is not living. The more you give, the more you live. I think that's why Jesus said, It is more blessed to give than to receive. Yesterday, Georgia and I were at home uh, spending some time together, and the phone rang, and a lady called up, and she said, look, I've got three kids, and uh, I just haven't got any food. Can you help? And I said, yep, we'll we'll get there as soon as we can. And uh, I hung up the phone and went down to Georgia, and I said, Georgia, there are some people that are really hungry. It's a mum. She's got three kids, and they haven't got enough food. Um, So would you mind if we go and get some food for them from the church office and then we go and take it around and she said, Oh Dad, I wanted to play with my barbies You know and I said, Well, that's all right, Georgia. She I don't think she really understood, but we, we just left a little bit longer and I came back and said, You ready, Georgia? Do you want to go now? And she said, All right. You know, for her it was interrupting Barbie time. And we got in the car and we, we went down to the church and we opened the big cupboard that you all you know, buy an extra bit of grocery and put it in the box at the back where you walk in. And, uh, you know, uh, Rebecca Keating regularly comes and grabs all that, puts it over in our office and gets rid of all the out-of-date stuff. And it was all there. And I opened up the bags and said, George, you hold that one. We'll give him this, we'll give him that, we'll give him this, we'll give him that. And Georgia said, this is kind of fun, Dad. (laughs) (laughs) I kind of like it. And I say, great, great. And she's, uh, you know, saying haven't they got any food? You know, she's asking these questions and then we got in the car and we went to uh, their house and we walked up and we we just gave over the food and and we walked in and we saw this lady who was obviously struggling uh, to get by and Georgia looked around the house and, you know, she came out. um, She just said, I really loved that, Dad. You know, I really loved it. And I, I kind of explained to her, how great God is that He would place a church here in Wadonga and that He would put in it the hearts of people like you who are buying all your groceries and probably individually we couldn't afford to give all those groceries in one hit to this lady. But each of us working together, putting a little bit in, meant that God was caring for a lady with her three kids through you. And I just thought, isn't God so good? And so generous. Isn't it great that my daughter's now learning that it's good to give? I just want to say thank you, church. And as we continue to worship God and journey together as his church, uh, let's continue to be reminded that this is our Father's world. It belongs to him. It's not ours to grab. And let's give joyfully. Let's pray. Oh God, we want to just say thank you. Thank you for giving us so much. Thank you, God, for giving yourself for us so that we might know you and we might experience the joy of your giving to us in our lives. Thank you for forgiveness. Thank you for eternal life. Thank you for your presence right now with us. And God, we know we can't outgive you, but we do want to be like you. We want to delight in giving. And God, we just ask that you would continue to show us uh, your goodness and your kindness as we trust in you through our most difficult circumstances and as we trust you every day. Thank you, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. We've got now the joy of hilariously giving to God. And um, we're going to do that in in just a moment. But um, I'd just love you to take your blue cards out right now. And there may be some people that need prayer. Maybe you're realising that, wow, I didn't even realise this is my father's world. And I want to get to know him more. There's opportunity for you to respond. Let's just take these next few moments. It would be great if everyone filled out a blue card. You know, everyone from your, you know, or someone on behalf of your family. If you can, that would be great. And we're just going to collect them in a few minutes. Let's take a moment to do that. In chapter 8, in verses 1. Now we read this together last week and we're going to read it again this week and we'll read it again next week. And today we're reading it looking at the way that they gave joyfully to God. So uh, let me read this as we follow along from 2 Corinthians 8 and verses 1 to 9. Paul writes to the church in Corinth. He says, Now I want to tell you, dear brothers and sisters... What God in his kindness has done for the churches in Macedonia. Though they've been going through much trouble and hard times, their wonderful joy and deep poverty have overflowed in rich generosity. For I can testify that they gave not only what they could afford, but far more. And they did it of their own free will. They begged us again and again for the gracious privilege of sharing in the gifts in the gift of the Christians in Jerusalem. Best of all, they went beyond our highest hopes. Their first action was to dedicate themselves to the Lord and to us for whatever directions God might give them. So we've urged Titus, who encouraged your giving in the first place, to return to you and encourage you to complete your share in this ministry of giving. Since you excel in so many ways, you have so much faith, such gifted speakers, such knowledge, such enthusiasm and such love for us, now I want you to excel also in this gracious ministry of giving. I'm not saying you must do it, even though the other churches are eager to do it. This is one way to prove your love is real. And you know how full of love and kindness our Lord Jesus Christ was. Though he was very rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that by his poverty he could make you rich. Church, let's uh, pray together as we ask God to speak to us, to meet with us and to guide us as we gather together this morning. Let's pray. Oh God, your people gather and we just want to Rejoice this morning. Uh, re- rejoice because this is a day that you've made. Uh, rejoice because we are living and breathing in your playground, the earth. God, you've created this place and you give us life and breath and you give us so many great and wonderful things. And we don't want to rush through today without pausing and just reflecting on your generosity, on your kindness, on your goodness to us. God, uh, some of us find ourselves in places of plenty. Lord, we thank you for rich friendships and relationships. God, we thank you that we have food to eat and to choose from, different flavours, different ways of cooking it, and so much choice. God, we thank you that we have uh, so many material possessions that we're able to cope with losing some. God, we thank you for the joy of being able to rest and relax and enjoy our time off as well as enjoy working. God, we thank you for your word, for prayer, for your good gifts of yourself to us. God, some of us, naturally would feel uh, not like rejoicing because of our circumstances. God, some of us would feel uh, worn out, uh, really sick, really tired, uh, like we don't have enough resources, like we wished that we had more. If it wasn't for the fact that we know that you're with us and that you are in control of this whole playground, this earth. You're our God, you're our Lord and we know that we don't rejoice in our difficult circumstances but we rejoice in you. God, you give us strength through everything that we're facing. So God, for those that are weeping this morning, give them the joy that comes from knowing you and knowing you're with them. God, for those that have plenty, may they be overwhelmingly thankful with joy for what you've given. And God, for us as we meet together today, we just want to tell you, we're thankful. We belong to you. You love us so much that you came, you lived, you died, you rose again. We can't outgive you. So we thankfully and joyfully say thank you. And we now just worship you with grateful hearts and with great joy. In Jesus' name, amen.